Welcome back to Colin Schatz. Uh, I'm Seth Partner. I'm joined today by a return guest uh, uh, from the, uh, the the Rose Garden Report uh, newsletter, which I highly I recommend everyone check out. Uh, my friend Sean Hyken uh, here to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How about you? Doing okay. It's a uh, lovely fall day here in, in Wisconsin, and uh, um, we have about two more of them, and then it becomes winter, I think. But, uh, <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. Um, a team that is that is similarly off to a... I don't know, I'm not even going to go with a terrible segue that way. Uh, Blazers have been good so far. Um, hasn't been a cupcake schedule. Uh, they've taken care of the few bad teams they've played. They're 6-3. and three, They're tied for third in the West. What's going on? Well, two things. First of all, and, it, and it's, you know, the, the last few games he hasn't played, he's back tonight. But for the first, what, five or six games that he played... Dame is back. Dame is, you know, he's Dame again. So there's that. That's been that's been a big thing. But also, just a lot of the questions that I think people had about whether the, you know, the the type of defense that Chauncey Billups wanted to play that he didn't really have the personnel to play with last year, it's all kind of coming into place now. And you look at, and we, I think you and I talked about this over the summer when I was on this show and we were, you know, we were, this was all still kind of theoretical, but I talked about how the idea of the roster that they wanted to put around Dame. And this is, you know, Joe Cronin is obviously the general manager and he, you know, is making these decisions, but Dame and Chauncey both have, I think, significant input into a lot of these roster decisions. The type of personnel that they've been trying to put around Dame is basically athletic guys who play hard and guard multiple positions. And you look at a going back to last trade deadline when they, and, and most, and like all those guys we're basically calling them new acquisitions now because none of those guys played with Dame and they all came onto a roster that was like tanking and not, you know, that you can't even really count any of that. But the guys going back to last deadline, all the guys that they brought in, whether it be at the last deadline, Josh Hart and uh, Justice Winslow. And then this summer, Jeremy Grant and, he hasn't played yet because he's been recovering from a core muscle surgery, but Gary Payton the second, they all kind of fit that bill. And it's like, you're never going to, I don't think you're ever going to build an elite defense around Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic, because with Nurkic, he's, you know, he's a, he's a good defender in his way, but he's kind of limited with the different kinds of lineups he can play in. And Dame and Andrew are just, I think, you know, too small as guards to really be elite on that end. But, They've done about as good of a job as I think you can in putting personnel around them to cover up the weaknesses. And I think the big difference between and and we're kind of seeing it it play out in the first couple weeks of the season. They've had, you know, athletic wing defenders in the past around Dame, whether you're talking about like Al Farouk Aminu, Mo Harkless, Evan Turner, guys like that. The guys that they have you know, that they've had in those roles have never been as good of offensive players also as a Jeremy Grant or a Josh Hart. So you just have a lot of different, it's not just, you know, in the past it was Dame goes off and then if Dame doesn't go off, you hope CJ goes off. And then if neither of them have it going, then you just don't really, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of stuck. Whereas, uh, now you know the, the the game that they had against Phoenix the other night. They just played the back to the the same city back to back. They got blown out in the second one. Damon Ant didn't play in either one of them. But in the first one, they didn't have their two leading scorers, 
and they were able to still, you know, they had all their personnel that can defend was still out there. And they had Jeremy Grant, who was capable of coming in and being the guy for one night and scoring 30 points. Like he's, I think we kind of saw in Detroit that he isn't, you know, that guy every night for a team that's trying to actually win games, but they brought him in, not just for the defense, but also because from time to time, when you don't have Lillard and Simons, you want a guy who's able to step in and do that. And so far, it seems like everything's kind of been going according to plan, and it's coalescing a lot quicker than I I think a lot of people, certainly including myself, thought it would. I think they've kind of found the the baby bear um, area for for Jeremy Grant. Didn't didn't maybe didn't get to do quite enough in Denver, asked to do a little bit too much in in Detroit, and as as you're suggesting, you know, uh, a little bit of a happy medium here where you can use him as a as a secondary or tertiary scorer, but on nights you need him, he he's there. Um, I want to get back. We'll get back to Nurkic and the defense in a little bit because I think that that's that's to me kind of one of the from having having. I'm I'm kind of washed, and, and and sometimes the ends of Blazers games are are too late. But from some of the games <laughs> I've seen, uh, they they do they specifically the Lakers game, it seemed like it was very easy for LeBron to get Nurkic switched on him, and that didn't bode well. But we'll we'll get back to that at the end. I, there's one other player you didn't mention when you're talking about athletic wings that play hard. I mean, the rookie Shaden Sharp so far. Yeah, I think you have to say kind of. Fits that bill. Um, I had I had uh, uh, Keandre Ashley, uh, uh, kind of a uh, a draft uh, scouting guru, on uh, a, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about how good for his development it has been to to land in a situation where there can actually be some expectations on him. In in so far as okay, you're going to make mistakes, but guard or you don't play. Yeah, and. It's I I will I'll be honest I did not think it would come along this quickly and I didn't think he would be in the rotation this quickly because it's not a situation like when they when they drafted him they drafted him as kind of a long term developmental prospect they did because you know they, there there were there were like a few different guys I think they were looking at in that spot if they ended up not trading the seventh pick because remember they did they did try to move the seventh pick they were talking to Toronto about OG Ananobi at one point and they idea was you maybe trade that pick for more of a win now guy who also fits that style and there were a few different guys they were looking at and the guy that I think there were some folks in the front office that really liked was Dyson Daniels who I ended up going one pick later or two picks later or whatever to New Orleans and he was a guy that I think was viewed in the front office here in Portland as more of a you know plug and play immediate impact kind of guy whereas Shaden Sharp was more seen as a developmental prospect and somebody that you would draft for two years from now and not necessarily make an impact now, and especially because we didn't really know that much about him because he hadn't played college basketball at all at Kentucky. And then when you look at him in the preseason, there were two games where he looked awesome. One of them was against Maccabi Ranana, which is the Israeli team that came through and played some exhibition games against NBA teams. He went off in that game. And then he also looked really good in the game against the Warriors G-Leaguers where they rested all their main guys. But in the games against actual NBA competition, he looked pretty lost. He looked like a 19-year-old kid that hadn't played high-level competitive basketball in about a year and a half. And so I was sitting there thinking, you know, even in like those games, you could see the talent and you could see the upside. But I was sitting there thinking after those preseason games, 
you know, this kid is really talented, but it's going to take a while for it to come around or he might not actually crack the rotation until, you know, maybe the all-star break or somewhere around there of his development has come along enough that, you know, they, that they feel comfortable with him. And Chauncey Billups has also said that Joe Cronin, and this is a little bit of a difference between the new front office and the previous front office, the Joe Cronin went to Chauncey and said, look, if you don't want to play Jaden Sharp, you don't have to play him. If you want to just redshirt him the whole year, that's totally cool. Like whatever you think is best, I'm not going to force you to play a guy just because I drafted him in the top 10. Like, that's been Joe Cronin's you know, attitude towards it. And so the reason that Chauncey is playing him is because Chauncey feels like he is far enough along that he can actually help the team. And so I was, I mean, I was shocked on night one, you know, opening night of the season against Sacramento. Justice Winslow was the first guy off the bench, but Sharp was the second guy off the bench. And he looked, I don't remember what his stat line is. It wasn't some crazy stat line, but he didn't look lost. He looked like he was actually comfortable and, knew where to be and didn't make enough. I mean, there were a couple of bad fouls he had, but you know, there, he did he wasn't just completely lost out there. And then a few games later, you know, he, he stays in the rotation. He keeps playing well enough to justify his minutes. And then in the game where, you know, Dame goes out the next night, they play against Houston, which, you know, that's a bad team. And, it, and it's like the perfect situation for somebody like sharp to, get his first start where, you know, he's probably, it's a team that they should be able to beat without Dame anyway. And so you give this rookie, you know, his first start, he goes off in that game and he's stayed in the starting lineup ever since. And I mean, I think he'll, you know, he'll obviously will go back to the bench if Dame and Simons come back. Dame, it's now been reported, is going to come back and we still don't know about. So he's going to come back to the bench at some point. But Sharp has been a lot better, (laughs) has been a lot better than... I thought he was going to be right away. Like, I think, I think the two best rookies, like, based on what I've seen, you, you've watched, like, a lot more teams and a lot more depth than I have. The two best rookies, I think, so far this season have been Paolo and Matherin from Indiana. But yeah. Sharp has been right there, probably as the third best rookie so far, at least based on what I've seen as far as being comfortable enough to not be just completely making, you know, rookie mistakes and also being, you know, a rotation player on a team that's actually trying to win and is at, and is actually contributing to winning as opposed to just putting up numbers on a bad team. You know, it's a very different, it, it's, it's hard to balance that against, I mean, obviously, you know, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray have the ball in their hands more. Um, the other guy you might throw in there who's kind of contributing for a good team is, is Christian Coloco, but other, other sure. Than that, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, I'm actually uh, writing about Mather a little this week, um, who's been... He's looked awesome. Uh, yeah. And I was just thinking of, of you know, who they were looking at. And I'm um, just, you know, as good as Sharp has been, what what, uh, what could have been almost for, for the Blazers. But, um, no, in, in this way, it's it, this, is, this is kind of a funny thing that happens. Teams sort of can get lucky in this way. I don't think they, I don't think they learn this about him if, if Peyton isn't hurt. No, I don't think so either. I mean, and I'm very interested to see. I, I, you know, a shameless plug alert. I have a mailbag coming tomorrow for Robin, the Rose Garden Report website and newsletter that is going to be up that I've gotten. T- I've been taking subscriber questions, and there have been a couple of questions that I've gotten that are going to be answered in there about what happens when Gary Payton comes back. And I honestly don't know the answer to that because there's going to be a minutes crunch. Chauncey has been pretty strict you know outside of garbage time 
when he has everybody who's currently available available, he's played a nine-man rotation, the starting lineup of Dame, Ant, uh, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and Nurk, and then the four guys off the bench are Justice Winslow, uh, Shaden Sharp, Nasir Little, and Drew Eubanks at the backup five spot. So those are the only guys that have really gotten in the rotation. And then, you know, when in the games where Dame or Ant or whoever has been out, Keon Johnson has kind of cracked the rotation as uh you know the the next guy up in the rotation he's actually looked pretty good in in some of the minutes that he's played but there is kind of a minutes crunch and i mean gary payton he's the biggest free agent that they signed he's the only real free agent acquisition that they had and they use their mid-level on him and they view him as somebody who fits right into the kind of defense they want to play and can also hit an open three and can help them there so they're going to have to find minutes for him and they're going to have to take those minutes away from somebody i don't know if that's going to be sharp it might be Nasir Little. It might be Justice Winslow. May, I, I might be Josh Hart. I don't. I honestly don't know where those minutes are going to come from. But they're going to have to find them somewhere. I mean, most likely is is. I mean, as happens in the NBA season, is is they're they're not all going to be healthy at once all that much. Right. Yeah. And but. Peyton. And and Peyton. I think he's probably. He's ruled out for the rest of this road trip, which they're two games down four to go. He's ruled out for this road trip already. So. It's possible that on their co- the homestand that they have coming up after that, he might be back, but they, that's just when he's going to be reevaluated. So I, I would say probably closer to Thanksgiving he'll be back, and then who knows? Like guys are going to get banged up at some point, and so it'll this all this stuff all kinds of kind of sorts itself out. But it's going to be very interesting to see how that works with the rotations when he is healthy. If everybody else is also healthy it's it's, it's going to be they're going to have some decisions to make Chauncey's either going to have to expand the rotation and so far it seems like he kind of likes to play nine guys and stick to those nine guys when it's not a, a blowout when it's actually a competitive game but I I don't know I don't know I don't know how he's going to handle it I mean it's 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 bordering on it's good problem to have territory in, in so yeah, far as too many guys too game. many guys I mean too, we're what a month away from guys becoming trade eligible so maybe at some point there's a consolidation trade that happens just to free up some of this log jam but i don't know i mean it's 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 not a bad problem to have it's better than the problem that they had uh the last couple of years where they just you know you have a ton of you know small scoring guards who don't defend and then you just don't have any depth at any other positions it's not a bad problem to have speaking of, of depth at other positions i think that um I, I don't think either of us really think that they that the Blazers have real designs on being a home court playoff team. Um, I think they're oh, okay. Well, I didn't. Let's, let's, I, I didn't think. I didn't think so before the season started. I don't think it's. I mean, I wouldn't bet on it. I don't think it's crazy now, at least at the start that they've gotten off to, especially when you look at some of the teams that people had ahead of them, have that have the starts that they've gotten off to. Like, I think that I think uh, people are getting a little bit of a reality check on the Clippers with the Kawhi stuff. And like, I, I, it, it, I, I wouldn't pick it, but it wouldn't shock me if they were in the top four. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I mean, the teams you're, you're really looking at are, are like the Warriors and the Nuggets and, 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 you know the 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 Clippers Memphis. are are Mem- yeah well I mean Memphis I mean they're they're right I mean they're tied with Memphis uh, yeah. so that so they uh, I mean but 
like the Clippers, you're right. I mean, you know, every year there's there's a team or two that falls away, and it looks like Minnesota is mean, a team I think a lot of yeah. people thought were going to win a lot of regular season games, and they haven't been impressive at all. And, and they still might. I mean, it's 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 early. Yeah. I had uh, I had uh, John Krasinski and Sarah Todd on last week. To it, 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 folks should check out that discussion if if you can. It was a really it was an interesting discussion about um, you know some of the growing pains that the uh, the Wolves have had. Uh, you know integrating Rudy and, and, um, and stuff like that, but maybe I, Utah you know, will be in the top four. I mean, that's, I mean, it's another team that I, 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 Utah has, has kind of some more interesting choices than Portland. Uh, you know, Portland is not, is not entering the, the Victor sweepstakes no. and in Utah may have, may have kind of won themselves out of that already, but still there's, they're, they at least kind of have the have the the notion of maybe trying to grab one more great draft pick. Sure, before, you know what you know what this Utah it. team kind of reminds me of bringing it back to Portland a little bit. Remember the 2015-16 Blazers where there was the summer where Lamarcus Aldridge leaves in free agency, and then they also lose like Batum and Wes Matthews and uh, Robin Lopez. They basically lose all of their starters except for Dame, and everybody just assumes they're going to tank. And I think the plan was to tank. And then Dame was just too good for them to tank, and they ended up making the playoffs. That's kind of what this, to a lesser extent, because they don't have a guy they're built. I mean, I guess if you want to count Mark in, which I don't know if I do, I don't. He's obviously he's not that. He's not on that. He's level, not on that level, like, yeah. <laughs> but you don't. You don't. But like, it's a team. You know, they trade their two perennial all stars for a bunch of draft picks, and everybody just assumes they're going to be bad, and then they're. They have, it turns out, they have all these young guys that play hard and they just win some games and are competitive. And at a certain point, instead of forcing the issue and saying, oh, we're just going to tank and we're going to like trade Conley and we're just going to like make up an injury for Jordan Clarkson, it might make sense for them at some point to just say, screw it, let's try to make the playoffs and see if we don't have some sort of trajectory like Memphis, who made the playoffs ahead of schedule that, that, two years ago. And then, you know, a year later, they were a two seed. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah went that way. I, I, it's not the worst thing to, to find out. Hey, actually, our players are better than we thought they were. We're decent. We also have like a ton of forward facing draft capital when it, when it comes down to it. Yeah. But yeah. So, all right. So you're, you're, you are more bullish on, on the Blazers. Like I thought, I, I thought that they were going to be solidly in the mix and, and very likely to at least make the play in this year. Um, they've they've so far been a little better than that. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they avoided the plan and and were in you know see that's where I have them now. I had yeah. them. I said before the season I thought the most likely thing was they'd be a play, and now I pretty solidly think that they're going to be top six. So even looking towards that though, I think that you look at their roster and they you, you mentioned they, that they're not just full of a bunch of small scoring guards who can't defend. Uh, so they've upsized a little bit and added more defense, but they're still very small. I mean, like, you know, Drew Eubanks, I think, is a serviceable low-end second or third center. Yeah. Um, Nurkic is probably a serviceable low-end starting center at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's it. That's 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 the bigs they got right now. 
Yeah, it is. And I mean, there has been some lineups where they've been using Justice Winslow as like a small ball five, which has been effective in some lineups. They closed with that in the opening game against Sacramento, which they won. But that's a, you know, you use that situationally. That's not something you can depend on for big minutes every night type of situation. But you're absolutely and not a you're absolutely right that that's their biggest weakness is front court depth, but also the front office knows that like Joe Cronin said at media day that he would like them to be bigger. And he knows that like the roster isn't totally balanced as far as positionally and you know, what they, you know, what, what they would, they would need to be. So I think if they are going to do anything coming up at the trade deadline or whatever the case may be, or, you know, in a month or two, when certain guys become trade eligible, I think that would absolutely be the area where they, look to upgrade whatever 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 that may be there's a couple of names that kind of make sense but well you know we'll we'll, we'll see what comes well, available that's, and what doesn't but that Chris Collins so since you opened the door like you know that who, who do you think are some guys that that might be you know gettable and 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 make sense roster wise <laughs> <laughs> well, the high end of the high end of, you know, unlikely because of how Phoenix started, but plausible is there's still a lot of kind of questions long term about what the level of happiness is between mutually between the Suns and DeAndre Ayton about a long term partnership. Like everything's good right now because they're winning and they've looked like the best team in the West so far. But. It was a month ago that DeAndre Ayton said on media day that he hasn't talked to Monty since the game seven of the Dallas series and then, you know, tried to walk it back a couple of days later. And this is after they didn't do anything to try to re-sign him over the summer and basically just let him hang out there in free agency until Indy gave him that offer sheet that they matched. So, you know, right now everything is great because they're winning, but they just lost Cam Johnson and they don't have Jay Crowder. So, they, you know, I think they might short term take a step back and is everybody still going to be happy if they're uh if they're not winning at the clip that they were over the first couple weeks of the season but that's so that that I mean I think at the high end of what might be possible I think that's a situation I know that was a situation Portland was monitoring last spring when it looked like he might be gettable after the game seven debacle it never made too much sense at the time because there were all these complicated rules about like salary matching on sign and trades and stuff but if that becomes a possibility again, I think that's something they might try to get in the mix for a little bit more of a realistically gettable target. And, you know, there was, he was just on a major podcast a week ago and talking about how he's in <laughs> trade rumors all the time. But I think the obvious one here would be Miles Turner, who uh, I think is pretty clearly going to get moved before the deadline because he is he does not fit the timeline of what Indy is trying to do. He's not he's about to be a free agent. He's not going to get re-signed there. They're going to have to trade him and get something for him. And he would be on paper and I've talked to not necessarily in the organization but people connected with some players on the team that really feel like out of the options that he would be the perfect guy for them to go get in terms of like the way he fits and the way that he kind of can be, you know, he's obviously, you know, more athletic and more mobile as a center than Nurkic is. And, you know, age wise, I think he fits more the timeline. So that, that would be, if I had to say like a realistic 
I mean, the Aiton thing is kind of a pipe dream, even though it's possible that everything totally falls apart in Phoenix. But that, I mean, that would be like, for to them, I think that would be the best case scenario. But the Miles Turner thing, I think, is a little bit more of a realistic, you know, this guy is actually going to be available and they might be able to be competitive in the marketplace with that. And that, that it would be an upgrade. But I do think that, you know, Nur- Nurkic, I think Nurkic gets a lot of uh, flack from the fan base, certainly. He's kind of become the guy that everybody loves to pile on. And obviously he has his limitations. I think he's a, he's clearly a starting center in the NBA, but I think he's more of like a top 20 starting center as opposed to a top 10 or a top 15 starting center. And, you know, he's going to have, there are some matchups that he plays really well in. And there are some matchups like you brought up the Lakers earlier that that, that was just a bad matchup for him, like against LeBron. And there, there are, there are, you know, he has his limitations and you kind of have a ceiling with him as your guy. And, you know, he just kind of is what he is at this point. And so I think that if there's a move to be made, I think that's the spot to upgrade. And I think they know that. Sure. I, you know, I'm, I see the on paper thing with Turner. I sort of, I don't love the fit if I'm honest. I have uh, sort of, I've always liked the idea of if you have if you know you're you're building a pick and roll partnership, you kind of want them to be opposites. If you've got if if the ball if the guard likes to get to the bucket, you like a pick and pop guy. If the guard likes to pull up, you like a dive guy. And and it's just it, with with Dame and and it's it's sort of you know both guy like pick and roll. He Turner slips out without making any contact with the guy because he wants to shoot a jumper. And I don't I don't I. If from a synergistic standpoint, I would love that. But at the same time, talent is talent. Um, can I try that's to trade been, the blade? <laughs> Sorry, go that's ahead. kind of been their their attitude. That's kind of been their attitude the whole time, though. Like they, because you know, for for example, you know, we were talking about the front court depth and the lack of front court depth. The reason that they signed Gary Payton the second, even though that's somewhere that they kind of have a glut of you know players at that rough position is there were a couple of backup centers that they were looking at. Like I think Isaiah Hartenstein was one, and then. You know, he was the guy they were really trying to go after as their backup center. They wanted to do that with the mid-level. But then once the Knicks came in over the top and paid more money than they would have been able to pay there. And I think and the reason I bring this up is because I think this is instructive for how this new front office thinks, as opposed to maybe how the old front office thought was once they the top couple, like I think Mo Bamba was another one they might have been looking at. But like once the top couple of backup centers who might have been worth spending the mid-level on came off the board. They decided that instead of using the mid-level to overpay for like a second or third tier backup center, they would just pivot and try to get the most talented player that they could get and, you know, then figure out the fit later. That was that's kind of the mode that they're in. And so when I bring up this whole, uh, you know, the idea of like what might be out there for them as far as center upgrades, obviously you would love it if things go south in Phoenix and DeAndre Ayton comes available and you can make something happen there. That's the dream if you're them. But assuming that doesn't happen, and I don't know, you know, given the start that Phoenix has, I don't know how likely that is to happen. Miles Turner may not be, for all the reasons you just laid out, and I, I would share some of those concerns also. He may not be the perfect fit, but he's the best player that they're going to realistically be able to get at that position. And he's still young enough that they might feel like he has some upside and he might thrive in a different situation than the one that he's been in his entire career in Indiana. So, you know, they might be willing to just kind of 
take the swing and see, you know, see if it pans out and see if they can unlock something with him. Maybe he does turn into, you know, a, a, a guy that, that plays well next to somebody like Dame. I don't know. I, let me, let me throw out a name of a guy who I'm, who I've, I'll, pro- I'll probably end up over the next couple of weeks, try to trade to about 20 different teams. Um, <laughs> we, but like all of those things you say, a completely different style of player, but everything you just said about Miles Turner also sort of applies to John Collins. That is and somebody that... that they were they they went after him. He was like if oh if OG Ananobi was their top guy that they were going after uh, on draft night with the number seven pick. That John Collins I think was number two. They actually did, I, from what I understand, they did have pretty serious conversations with Atlanta about him. So that that would be I don't know what you know you, you know I, I I don't know enough about like what the price would be or what they what other offers they might have but i that is somebody that i know that they've looked at in the past so i think if he becomes available i would imagine that's something that the blazers front office would revisit again well i'm having uh brad rowland on later this week so perhaps i will uh i will uh pump him for information on 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 where atlanta is at on on sort of the perpetually on the block john collins it, it seems um, I, that, I mean, that does seem, I mean, he does seem like a player who, from how you're describing how Chauncey Phillips wants, wants to play, even though maybe he's not an ideal full-time five, and I don't really think he is a full-time five in today's game, that does seem stylistically like it's more of a piece than, you know, a more, you know, relatively speaking, more plotting player. Like, Miles Turner is more athletic than Yusuf Nurkic, but he certainly doesn't have the mobility of, of uh, you know, a, a swing, uh, like a swing guy, like, like a John Collins. Right. Well, I mean, like I said, like I said, just as I said, I know Collins is somebody that they've looked at in the past and I don't know what Atlanta's thinking at this point, as far as whether he's going to be available or not. But if he were to actually come on the block again, I think that's something Portland would look at because it's somebody they've looked at in the past. He, he just strikes me as a guy who has a lot that he hasn't, gotten to show yet just by just by nature of sort of how how the hawks have played for you know the very the very trey does everything which i think has been good for a lot of their players but he's the one guy who i think is has maybe not been able to explore the studio space and maybe he wouldn't maybe he would similarly not get that chance in portland though it doesn't really seem like the blazers go quite at least this iteration of them doesn't go quite that much of stand and watch the guard dribble it hasn't hurt jeremy grand and that was a question that we had about him when they traded for him so yeah and i also Um, i also think guy i also think just anecdotally i think guys like playing with dame a lot more than they like playing with trey young as far as him being willing to try to let guys get to their spots and try to set guys up to be the best versions of themselves i think that's more reputationally something that people see with dame than maybe they do with with the guy he's playing with right now. I mean, I, I mean, you don't even have to. I mean, I I like to take shots at the other guy, but but you don't even have to take shots at the other guy. Just you know, Lillard is is sort of regarded as you know upper echelon of the NBA in that regard. Yeah. Um, let's let's if we can, if we had a chance to so far, let's bounce around to on the. I don't want to talk about Brooklyn, um, but anything yeah, else, no, fair game. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, 
the 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 early game against the 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 Blazers that was really start of a worrying sign for the Lakers for me, and it hasn't really gotten a lot better since then. I'm I'm completely out of the Lakers. I don't think they're even a playing team at this point, and I don't know what move they could make with whatever pieces they have that would make them a play-in team. I'm just completely out on it. I mean, it's, it's, it's early enough in the season that if they did do the, you know, draft picks for Heald and Turner, that I think that they probably flip it around enough. It's just a matter of, of them deciding to pony that up and Indy deciding that's what they want to do, which is, you know... If you're uh, Indy, I would wait until closer to the deadline because... Yeah. You know, teams are gonna get this. This whatever the Lakers offer isn't it is you know is not going to be the only thing you have because you're you're going to get to a point like there are going to be teams like Portland or whoever like there's going to be other teams that are going to be interested in those guys closer to the deadline. So there's no reason for you to do that now. And also, everybody loves Russ now. Russ is coming off the bench. He saved his career. Like he's he's getting MVP chance in LA now. Like they're not desperate to get off him at any cost necessary now. Give it time. Um. I know, I know. Give it time, but that's that's what that's what that's what's going on right yeah. now. But no, but no, I'm completely out in the Lakers. Um, who else have you seen that that has has either impressed you or worried you? Uh, from an impressive standpoint, I like Toronto a lot until this. You know, this, this Siakam injury sucks. That's going to slow yeah. them down a little bit. But I like the team that they have. Cleveland, I love. I think Cleveland's awesome. I think uh, I could I. I think they might be still a year ahead of schedule with some of their young guys, but I, if you told me they made the Eastern Conference Finals, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be like blown away. That's still, they just need out that little, that one wing spot. If you can upgrade the Karis LeVert spot, I think that's the, that's the thing to, the thing to do. But Mitchell's been awesome. He's fitting great. Uh, Garland, now that he's back from the eye thing, he's he's like those two have looked really good together. Mobley, I still think is going to be like the best center in the NBA in a couple of years. So there, so that's a team that I, I really I really liked. Uh, as far as teams that worry me, uh, these are going to be kind of cliche answers, but you know we talked about the Clippers a little bit earlier, but that's just uh, I mean, like the, I just the, the latest we've seen on Kawhi is is sort of. No timetable, which is... yeah, it's not. It's not especially like he just missed the whole last season with the ACL. And I actually I saw him in Seattle for the Blazers' first preseason game. They went up and did that, and he played in that game, and he looked awesome. He looked like Kawhi. And so I came into the season thinking, oh, we're gonna get the Kawhi revenge tour, and the Clippers are gonna be unstoppable, and they're gonna win the West. Like I came in thinking that because I saw them in person, and Kawhi looked like old Kawhi again. But now we're already getting to the point where, you know, he's missing games not on back-to-back, and now he's out for a while, and we don't know. And even once he comes back, it's like, given his track record, do we feel okay about, like, him staying healthy long-term? And then you look at the rest of their supporting cast. Like, Paul George has been awesome so far. He just won Player of the Week. But is a Paul George-led team where your second and third best players are, like, Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris and, you know... Like, is that is that really, like, as good, as deep of a team as people were maybe saying that they would be? Uh, so there's, so the Clippers, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty unimpressed with. And then in the East, and this is, you know, obviously the other one that I think there was a lot of hype around at, at the beginning of the of training camp. But th- between the Harden injury and just, like, I mean, I just, the Sixers just don't, like, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of out on them, too. Yeah. 
The, inter- the th- interesting thing about Kawhi is that even going back, you know, before the ACL, um, it wasn't that he he could. It was it was always the day after that was the problem with like right. the, the, the 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 quad issue where it was he he would he could he could go all out in in a game, but then it would take lo- like the recovery period was longer. And and if if the ACL is even adding to that, then you get into the spot where yeah, it's 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 he can look great and then. And then the next morning, wakes up and can't move. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, as uh, you know, for for folks as you move forward, just Winslow is a small ball five. I'm wondering if if there are some other players. You mentioned Marcus Morris. Now the Clippers are not in a situation where they like ever have to dump anybody because they have unlimited money. But I mean, is, is would there be you know maybe we can't get a guy who's big in terms of height, but maybe just adding some more you know to to play that sort of all right. Well, we're not tall, but we're stout across the front. You're talking about that for Portland. Yeah. I mean, maybe not Marcus Moore specifically, but that sort of type. I mean, maybe. I think they feel like they have, you know, some internal options there. Like they've, you know, they've been using Justice Winslow there. They've been using Jeremy Grant there. Like, I think they would look for more actual size if they were to make a center upgrade. That's just kind of my read on the situation. Sure. It does. I mean, it seems like. The, the league is almost split between teams going two bigs and going all six, eight guys. Yeah. And to me, like you have to be able to play both ways. Like I, that, that, that's why I thought over the, yeah. uh, you know, over the summer, what I had said was that it was kind of just problematic that Nurkic was the only guy over six, eight that they had that you could, you know, actually start at center for like, they, they have no rim protection other than, other than uh, Nurkic. So I think that's something they're going to have to, upgrade at some point and that's 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 probably something that jeremy grant was very good at early in his career but yeah maybe not as much anymore right um one guy like to, to close out there's one guy on the blazers we haven't really i mean you've we've mentioned his name but um it's a player who i was high on as a scorer coming into the season and this is where having not seen them a ton myself i'm gonna sort of out outsource my opinions to you um How's how's Anthony Simons looked so far this year? Uh, had a rough shooting couple of first games of the season. Really came on in that Denver game where he scored like twenty two points in the third quarter. He just missed the last couple of games with a foot injury. I don't think it's that serious, but you know, once once he got he he was in a slump to start the season. But he's looked he's looked real good since then. So you know he's. He's done basically what they've expected him to do as like the Dame number two guy. And then there are some nights like, like I mentioned the Denver game or, you know, the comeback that they had against Memphis on last Wednesday where, you know, Dame missed that game and they were down 17 and they came back in the fourth quarter to tie the game. And that was on a couple of ant threes. Like he's been, he's been doing what they, you know, what they re-signed him to do. And by the way, that deal, you know, you, you they signed him for four years, a hundred. When you look at like what Jordan Poole got and what RJ Barrett got and what Tyler Hero got, like that's looking like a pretty good value deal at this point. 
I, I, I like the deal when it was signed, and, and um, I think that the other ones that have gone around as for some similar players you've mentioned um, it, it certainly make it look better by comparison. Has he taken any steps at all on the defensive end, or is that still the less said about it, the better? Well, the, the, I think the thing that everybody's <laughs> going to talk about, I, 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 mentioned, I mentioned seeing Kawhi Leonard uh, in the preseason against the, uh, in the, when the Blazers played the Clippers in Seattle. And there was one uh, play where, you know, Kawhi was posting up Ant, and Ant held his own against him and got him to miss a shot. I was sitting next to uh, our boy Danny Morang, who, you know, as you know, is like the biggest Anthony Simons booster that there is. And we just looked at each other like, did Ant just force a Kawhi miss in the post? Now, is he an elite defender? No. But, like, I think with both him and Dame, it's never been a question of effort. It's just size. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not a, you know, to go back to a guy that, you know, we maybe were talking about before, but like, it's not a Trey Young thing where he just like, is not trying on that end. Like, it's just, you know, he's so small that like, there's only so effective that he can be, but it's not an effort thing with him. Sure. There's, I think there's been times in his first couple of years where, you know, this is not, you know, a young guy without a ton of, of, you know, he did not have college experience, um, just sort of getting a little lost in the scheme as well. Um, so, but so just, just, I think that's a, if we're talking about like limitations of this construction, I mean, I think you kind of like, I think CJ, CJ McCollum is not a good defender. I think he's probably a little bit underrated as a defender, but you still kind of, you saw like the limitations that you have defensively, um, unless you just have like a, like a paint protecting monster, um, with that sort of style of team construction. So him him moving towards adequate would be a would be a a pretty big step I think for yeah. for for this kind of general construction of the Blazers to be kind of you know second round plus viable in terms of being competitive. Totally. Yeah. Um for let's go um uh th- thanks again for joining on short notice. Um uh, we, we've talked a lot about some good vibes teams, and, and uh, you wrote recently on uh, early in the season about you know the importance of good vibes, both you know with respect to teams like the Cavs and Jazz and Blazers. Um, yeah. But uh, I enjoyed that article. But you've been you've been putting a lot of good stuff up on the Rose Garden Report. What do you have? Uh, what do you, what have you had recently? What do you got coming up? And I'll let you go after that. Well, that's one. Uh, that that piece is one, but it's 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 been you know now that the season has started, it's been kind of a lot more of like the day to day news coverage. I do have a couple of features I have in the works and some longer form stuff, but for people who want to check that out, just go rosegardenreport.com and it's you can sign up for a free subscription where you'll get some of my writing, but if you want like all of it and some of the more in depth stuff, there are paid subscriptions available, which. I think are pretty reasonably priced as far as these things go. So I would encourage people to do that. And then I also have a podcast that's the same name, Rose Garden Report. And that's just, that's just free on Apple and Spotify and wherever else. Um, and, and I will be joining you on that. that show you will be. Show, that's, that's, that was just worked out in the texts uh, today, <laughs> uh, earlier today. That's going to be happening later in the week. So, so it's, uh, we, we worked out our own little pick swap here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Sean, thanks a lot for joining me. It's a, a pleasure as always. Uh, yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to, with the, with the, 
I guess with daylight savings, it makes it even harder to, to stay up to watch the Blazers. So yeah. I'll, I'll probably rely on you more than yeah. ever for, for yeah. updates on them. For um, sure. And, th- and thanks, folks, for listening. I'll be back later this week. I think I'm going to be talking some Hawks and some Bucks later on in the week. So uh, be sure to join for that. Uh, thanks for listening and take care.